The Torah says that the obligation of payah is of a kutzrachem. When you harvest the field, then you are obligated to leave a corner. And we learn from the fact that the Torah says when you harvest the field, that if a non-Jew harvests the field for his own needs, then the owner of the field is exempt from separating payah. And this is something we learned already earlier on in the Masechta. But our Mishnah now is going to focus on somebody who at the beginning of the harvesting process was a non-Jew, but then he converted to become a Jew during the harvesting process. A non-Jew who harvested his field, so he has detached the crop from the ground, but before gathering all the crop into big bundles and big haystacks, then he converts. And now, only once he is a Jew does he go and gather in all the produce and pile it up into haystacks. So the law over here is going to be dependent upon when the obligation to separate payer and other gifts for the poor, when does that obligation set in? And the answer is the obligation sets in at the time of the actual harvesting, where you're actually cutting down the crop. And since he was not Jewish at that time, Potterina Leket, he's exempt from leaving Leket for the poor people. Leket is the stalks which fall out of the harvesting instrument whilst the, har- the farmer is harvesting. Usually that goes to the poor. But over here, since he was not Jewish when he harvested the field, even if he later converts, he's already passed the obligation. When the obligation set in, it didn't apply to him, and therefore it's not going to apply to him later, so he is still exempt from leaving the leket for the poor people. As well as this, Umina Shikha, he's also exempt from leaving Shikha for the poor people. Shikha refers to the forgotten produce. And there are two types of Shikha. One are the stalks which the farmer forgets to cut off the ground, and the other type are the forgotten bundles, which he leaves in the field and forgets to bring them in. Now certainly when it comes to the first type, the forgotten stalks, the obligation of that type of shikha certainly sets in at the time of the harvesting, because that shikha is forgetting to harvest that. And in the case of the Mishnah, he was not Jewish when he forgot those stalks. However, when it comes to the other type of shikha, when he forgot to bring in certain bundles from the field, at the stage where he was bringing in the bundles, he was Jewish. And therefore you would think that for that type of shikha at least, this convert should be obligated to leave that for the poor people. Because when the obligation set in for that type of shikha, he was indeed Jewish. However, the Mishnah says that he is exempt even from that type of shikha, according to this first opinion of the Mishnah. And the reason for that is that since the two types of shikha are derived from the same source in the Torah, if he is exempt from one, then he is also exempt from the other one, and therefore even the shikha of the bundles, this convert will not need to give to the poor. Alright, and thirdly, Umina Peah, he is certainly exempt from giving Peah to the poor, because payah, as we have seen a number of times, the obligation of payah is at the end of the harvesting itself, the cutting of the produce, and at that stage he was not Jewish. Now Rabbi Yehuda Machayv b'shikcha. Rabbi Yehuda says that this convert is actually obligated to leave shikcha for the poor, and he's referring specifically to the type of shikcha, which is the bundles. He agrees that stalks which you left in the ground, you don't need to give those to the poor, because he wasn't Jewish when he was cutting down the produce. But the shikcha of the bundles, according to Rabbi Yehuda, we view that as separate from the other type of shikha, she'en ha-shikha el-bashasa imur, because this shikha, the obligation of the shikha only sets in at the time of the bundling up, at the time when you bring in all the bundles and put them into big stacks, and at that stage he was Jewish, and therefore he is obligated to leave this shikha for the poor people. Mishnah Zayin, the way we're going to understand this Mishnah is that it only goes according to the Chachomim in the previous Mishnah, who hold that if the farmer was not obligated to separate shikha of the forgotten stalks, meaning that at the time of the harvesting, of detaching the, pro- the crop from the ground, 
he was exempt, then he is also exempt from the shikha of the bundles, even if he is Jewish at the time when they bring in all the bundles to the stacks, we are following the Chachomim's opinion that he is exempt even from that type of shikha. As we mentioned in the previous Mishnah, the Torah says, And when you harvest the field, and just like that excludes non-Jews, because the Torah is saying specifically you, not non-Jews, it also excludes Hektish. Hektish is property which is designated to the Beis HaMikdash, so if at the time of the harvesting, the field belonged to the Beis HaMikdash, and the treasurer or the person who managed the Hektish property, if he harvested the field, then the field will be exempt from payer and the other gifts which the farmer needs to leave for the poor. So the mission tells us, Hektish, if the farmer made standing grain Hektish, meaning before he harvested the field, before he even cut down the crop, he made the field Hektish, but then he redeemed the field while it was still standing and attached to the ground. So that means that he paid the value of the field to the Beis HaMikdash and transferred the holiness and the designation from the field onto the money. So now the money belongs to the Beis HaMikdash and the field belongs to him once more. So if he then goes and harvests the field, Chayev, he is obligated because the obligation sets in at the time of the harvesting when he cuts it down. And at that point he owned it and therefore he is obligated to leave Leket, Shikha and Peah. Amorin, what happens if... The farmer only made the crop hektish when it was already in bundles. So it's been detached from the ground, he did that, and then he made it hektish before bringing it in from the field. And then again, before anyone did, any- did anything to the produce, before they brought in all the bundles, he redeemed the field while it was still as bundles which had not yet been brought in from the field. So then he continued the process. So again, of course, Chayev, he is obligated to leave the Leket and Peyar because he halves the field even before making it Hekdash. And he's also obligated to separate Shikha, which comes after he redeems it. Because again, at the time that the obligation sets in, either at the time that he detaches the produce or the time that he brings in the bundles. But either way, in this case, he was the one doing it and he owned the field and therefore he's obligated. However, comma... If he made it hektish while it was standing and attached to the ground, and then whilst it belonged to the Beis Hamikdash, it was harvested by the person managing the Beis Hamikdash's property. So in this case, at the time that the obligation set in, he was exempt. And this even applies to Shikha, because we're going according to the Chachomim in the previous Mishnah, that the obligation of Shikha, even Shikha of the bundles, sets in, or we view it as if it sets in, already when he is detaching the produce from the ground. So Podar Morin, if he only redeemed it once it was already into bundles, then Petura he's exempt, because at the time of the obligation, when the obligation set in, he was exempt, and therefore even if later on he now owns the field, he will not be obligated to give these gifts to the poor. The Mishnah is now going to compare the laws stated in the previous Mishnah with similar laws concerning Masters. Maestros are the various tithes and gifts which a farmer needs to separate other than Leket, Shikha, and Peah. For example, a tenth of his produce he needs to give to the Levi, that's called Masarishain. It includes Truma, which he needs to give to the Kohen, and there are a couple of other gifts as well. No one becomes obligated to separate the Maestros from his produce only once it reaches the stage of growth where it becomes edible. And that stage is known as Oynas Hamasras, the time of the Maestros, meaning the stage at which a fruit or other produce becomes obligated in Maestras. Now the truth is, even once it's reached Oynasa Maestras, and Oynasa Maestras, by the way, is different for each produce. It just depends on when it becomes edible. But even once it has become edible, as long as one doesn't eat a fixed meal of that produce, he can eat the produce as like snacks, in a temporary fashion, and he will not need to take Maestras from it. 
However, once they're processing and all the harvesting, all the gathering in, once that is all completed, then one can't even eat from the produce in a temporary manner. Until, of course, he takes the requisite gifts, and from that point onwards, he can, of course, enjoy the food as he pleases. So the Mishnah tells us, Similar to that, which we said in the previous Mishnah, one who makes his produce hector, she designates it to the base before they've reached the stage of Onesamaisras. So they're not yet edible, they're not yet obligated in Maisras. And then, Ufudon, he redeemed them onto money and took back the produce, and they still haven't reached Onesamaisras. In that case, Chayovin, of course, his produce are still obligated in Maestras, because when the obligation will set in, he will be the owner of the produce. Similarly, if he only designates them as Tektish, Mishabola and Samaestras, once they've reached the stage of Onesamaestras, and we're going to understand this to mean that the entire harvesting process has been completed, so it reached the stage where they were forbidden to eat the food without taking the gifts, without separating them and giving them to the people they need to give them to. So if he only made them hektish, once it reached that stage, so when the obligation set in, he was the owner. Ufadon, then he redeemed them. After that, Chayovin, he's still, of course, obligated to separate the gifts and give them to the people, as we explained. The only case where he won't need to is Hikdishan Ajaloid Nekmaru, if he made them hektish before their processing was completed. So this could mean before the Onus HaMaisras, before they're even edible, or it could mean after they're edible, just before their entire processing has been completed. Ukumoran HaGizbar, and then their harvesting process was completed by the Gizbar, by the person managing Hektish's property. And only then did he redeem them. In that case, Paturin, the owner and the farmer, would be exempt from separating Maestras. Again, the reason being, At the time where the obligation set in, they were exempt. So to summarize, if at either the stage of Onus HaMaestras, or at the stage where the entire harvesting process has been completed, if at either of those two stages the field was owned by the base Hamikdash, only in that scenario would the farmer be exempt from separating the Trimus and Maestras, but in all other cases he would be obligated. Mishnah tests, because to acquire something is considered a benefit, one is able to acquire something on behalf of somebody else, even if that other person doesn't know about it. In general, for me to do something on behalf of somebody else, he has to appoint me as a messenger, but if what I am doing is beneficial for him, then that works even if you're not appointed by him. Because of this, if a poor person comes to a field and he sees some payor there, he is able to perform an act of acquisition in order to acquire the payor, and if he has the intention that he is acquiring it for the sake of another poor person, then he can do so, and that payor is now owned by that other poor person. And the truth is, it's not so simple, because every poor man in the world is entitled to that payor. It's just that whoever gets it first, he gets to keep it. So how can somebody acquire it on behalf of somebody else if that somebody else is not here right now? He has no more right to take it than any other poor person. So how can you acquire it on behalf of him if he's not even here? So he has no more right than anybody else. The answer is that since this person himself is poor, he could technically take it for himself. And then if he wants, he can give it over to the other poor person. So since he is able to take it for himself, the halacha is that he is also able to take it and acquire it on behalf of somebody else. Even if that means that other poor people won't be able to take it. The Gemara calls this migud the zochil nafshei, zochinam Since he can acquire it for himself, he can also acquire it on behalf of somebody else. Our mission's discussion is what happens if the person doing this, the person performing the act of acquisition on behalf of the other poor person, is a wealthy person. Because in that case, you can't necessarily say, since he can acquire it for himself, he can acquire it also for somebody else. Because over here, he can't acquire it for himself, because he is wealthy. 
and payout only goes to poor people. So at first glance, you would think that if the person performing the acquisition of the payer is wealthy, then he cannot do this act of acquisition on behalf of somebody else, and all the more so he can't do it for himself, because he isn't entitled to the payer. But we're going to see that it's actually a machlekes. Mishaloka de sa payer. Somebody who gathered the payer, he detached it from the ground, and that's how you acquire the payer. The Omani said, Behold, this should be for so-and-so, the poor person. I am acquiring it on his behalf. Omer says, He has acquired it for him, and it does work. And the reason for Rebilezer is because even the wealthy person potentially could make himself entitled to the payer. How? Well, if you think about it, if he declares all his property ownerless, Hefka, he has now made himself a poor man at least in a legal sense. So as a poor man, he'd be able to take the payer. So Rebliezer says that since potentially he could be entitled to this payer, we apply the rule of that since he could acquire it for himself, technically, he can also do so for somebody else. However, say, no. This rule of that's enough. But you can't extend that rule to say that since you can potentially do it for yourself, so you can do it for somebody else, that's taking it too far. And therefore, if the wealthy person did this, he has not acquired it on behalf of a particular Oni, a particular poor person. And at the same time, he can't keep it for himself. So what should he do? He should just give the payer to the first Oni who he finds, and that Oni will take it and acquire it, just like any normal payer, which has not been acquired by a particular Oni. Alright, when it comes to a non-Jew who owns land in Eretz Israel, there's a debate as to whether a non-Jew can actually legally own land in Eretz Israel. And the way we're going to understand our Mishnah is that this Mishnah follows the opinion that Ein Kin Eretz Yisrael, that a non-Jew cannot legally own any land in Eretz Yisrael, and this has a consequence in terms of taking Maser. The gifts which a farmer separates and gives to the poor people, for example, Leket, Peyar, Shikha, when the poor person takes that, he does not need to separate Trumas and Masers from there. That in itself is a gift. Now, if a non-Jew were to own land, so then all the crop which grows in his land will not require Trumus and Mysus to be taken from there. A non-Jew is not obligated to take Trumus and Mysus. However, if you follow the opinion that a non-Jew cannot technically own land in Eretz Israel, that means that if a Jew takes produce from that land, it's technically owned by a Jew, whoever the previous Jewish owner was. Or right now, it's owned by the Jew who takes the produce. The point is, it's not owned by the non-Jew which means it's obligated in Trumas and Maestras. And a question which arises is what happens if the non-Jew, for some reason, decided he wanted to give Leket and Shikha and Peya? He's not obligated to, but let's say HaLeket VaShikha VaPeya Shal Nochri. These gifts for the poor which come from a non-Jew. Says the Mishnah Chayev B'Maestras, these gifts are obligated in Maestras and the poor people will have to separate the Trumas and Maestras from there. The reason being, that since it was given by a non-Jew, it's not classified as Leket or Shikha or Peya. We view it as just gifts. And therefore, the poor people will need to separate the trimmers and mices from them. Elohim can hifger, unless the non-Jew makes his, his part of his produce ownerless. Because ownerless property, ownerless produce is exempt from trimmers and mices. So then if a poor person or even a wealthy person comes and takes that ownerless produce, he will certainly be exempt from separating the gifts. The trimmers and the mices. The point of the mission just is that a non-Jew who gives these gifts, the gifts do not have the status of leket shecha and peyar, and therefore are obligated in trimmers and mices. Just like all of the produce in a non-Jewish person's field in Eretz Israel, since the non-Jew does not technically own it, and therefore it is obligated in trimmers and mices.